Welcome to our Pop-Up B-Series. This is one of our messages that's one of my favorite pop-ups because the B-Series is a time when we get to learn about people's stories and personal journeys. Today, we have Rick Fossum joining us, and our B-Series is called Be Reconciled. And I want to tell you up front, one of the topics, one of the main topics uh, that we'll be talking about, because it's a huge passion of Rick's, is racial reconciliation. And I want you to know that in no way do we believe a 20-minute conversation will solve the world's problems and tackle everything there is about racial reconciliation. And so I want you to know that this is our time, really, to hear about how that's impacted Rick and his experience in his life journey. So um, really thankful that Rick agreed to be with us. And so it's nice to have you. Great to be here. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you live with and how you're involved in church. Let's just start there. So I live with some of the people over there. Um, uh, my wife, Susan, we're getting close to empty nest. Um, we've got a 20-year-old, a 22-year-old, and uh, my mom's here today, and she's um, very much a close part of the family right now as well. Great. And what's your experience in church? My experience in church is not this, standing in front of people. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I got saved in fourth grade at a Nikki Cruz rally for you older folks in the room. You might remember David Wilkerson and the cross and the switchblade and... Um, so was raised in the church up in New England, up in Connecticut, um, churchgoer, youth group member, all those things, and just kind of been a Christian through the ranks. Right. And I want to talk a little bit, tell me about a time when God spoke to you and it led you to do something maybe you weren't expecting. So um, I used to be a part of a, uh, a men's group um, that would meet... Um, at a Panera Bread Friday mornings, and um, we'd sit around and read Christian books and talk about Christian things. And um, one of the things we would talk about is we've got to go serve, right? We're Christians, we're called to serve, and we would talk, ar talk around it for a while. Where do we go? What do we do? But God said, Rick, I'm asking you to go. Um, so then I spent some time, about three years, volunteering down at the Atlanta Mission downtown, which is a local um, homeless ministry. Realizing I don't have my phone or my notes with me either, so we're going to punt with everything. I love it. <laughs> and so while you were at the Atlanta shelter, you just fell in there. Did anybody, I remember you tell me about this story about how you didn't really know what you were doing there. Yep. And somebody came up to you and said, what are you doing? You said, I have no idea. I'm just supposed to be here. Yep. So um, my first day was a Wednesday morning. I went downtown. It's right down near Centennial Park. Parked my car, went in and served breakfast. Afterwards, um, had a conversation with their then volunteer coordinator, Ivan Rouse. And he really was like, why are you here? <laughs> and I said, well, I believe God asked me to come. Um, and what was interesting is he said, well, you can come and Tuesday mornings there's a Bible study, you know, that you can come down and participate with. Um, and I said, I can't do Tuesday mornings. Um, I can do Wednesday mornings. So he said, well, why don't you come down and serve breakfast? So for three years I was down there um, meeting new people, um, being with difference. And um, what was interesting is the people my church friends, right, you know, from up here in Roswell were like, oh, you must feel so blessed. 
when you go down there. And, and, I, and I, I get it, and I do, because blessing is God has provided. He's done all these great things for me. When I go to a place of poverty, um, there may not be so many blessings. Okay. But what I realized was that it wasn't about a comparison of blessing. It was a, a conversation of, of communication and humanity and learning about people that were different. And so can you tell us about anybody that you met while you were there serving breakfast, having these relationships? Is there anybody that stands out? I mean, I think who stands out was Ivan himself. Um, He's become a dear friend, and he's been somebody that through an initial conversation of volunteerism, um, we've been able to experience life together for 10-plus years, job changes, family issues, all those kinds of things. And how did that experience with Ivan and the relationships and just kind of the experience of you as a whole, how has that impacted the rest of your life these next these days forward? So when you talk about reconciliation, right, um, Pastor Will Gravely, who uh, he's uh, over at Community uh, Refuge Community Church in Mableton, he says reconciliation is the strategy of the gospel. It's not a social agenda. So, so say that again. Reconciliation is... Is the strategy of the gospel. Is a strategy of the gospel. I mean, it's the story of Jesus, right? Coming down, reconciling us to God. And um, I think that reconciliation piece sometimes we can avoid. And I think, you know, if I were sitting here and there was a white guy up on stage wanting to talk about racial reconciliation, I would tune him out. I would be a cynic, and I would say, why on earth are you the guy up here who's talking about this stuff? And so what would you say to yourself if you were in the pew going, why that guy? I'd say I I understand. Um, I would probably be the same way. Um, But, I mean, I think as you go through these things, there's an educational piece of learning. There's a deconditioning piece of unlearning. Um, having grown up in the church for a long time, I knew the right things that church were supposed to do. Yeah. We're supposed to give, we're supposed to serve, we're supposed to love our neighbor, we're supposed to do these things. But I don't know that I really fully understood what that really meant for me as an individual. And just a pursuit of difference, um, relationary conversations around um, race in particular, but just even walking with people who are a different color than I for a long period of time has allowed me to see God in a different way. Give me an example of that. So an example particularly, I don't know um, if there was one, but it was definitely, I mean, when you grow up in sort of the American church um, and we've got our experience of Christianity, right, and what that looks like. For me, Connecticut, isolated little bubble, um, and all of a sudden, you know, learning about black theology, you know, and attending black church services, you just see a bigger Christianity. I saw a bigger Christianity than I knew existed. I saw a bigger God than I knew existed. I saw a bigger Rick than I knew existed. Because I, I, I'm learning that I'm a child of God. 
and I was created with a distinct purpose here in the earth. And that's my pursuit, you know. And if that opens doors or avenues, that's kind of where I try to walk. So I've heard you talk about living by performance or faith by performance. Is that kind of what you mean? Um, talk a little bit about how you've changed your lifestyle from one of performance to faith. So um, I think performance shows up in the tasks that make us good um, versus who I am or what I am that makes me good. Um, and when I understand, you know, that before time, God realized that Rick needs to be here in this earth, um, that's, that's not a performative function. It's like, hey, God, why in the world am I even here? Why do you want me here? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And what is it about the racial reconciliation piece that's important to you? Why, why is that the piece? Is it something this year that's happened in general? Um, what is it that speaks to Rick about racial reconciliation? That speaks to Rick? Um, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's been a generalized pursuit. I think I was coming from a place where I was sure about a lot. Yeah. Um, I was sure about Christianity. I was sure about the ways to be a good Christian in the world, right? To a place of, gosh, I may not have fully known what that meant. I may have um, silenced voices that may have actually spoken into me to contribute to my understanding of God, my fellowship of the Jesus and you know, who I, what does the Holy Spirit mean to Rick? I mean, that, if God is this God, Jesus, the Son, Holy Spirit, and I'm just Rick, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. I love the idea that as you explore other faiths and or other theologies of faith, I should say, and other um, interpretations and denominations, that God can be a bigger God than you ever imagined. So, if you think about that God living through you, how does that impact your work? How does that impact the decision that you make one day, every day? Well, it makes it bigger. Um, it seems to pull it into a grander narrative of why, why I'm here, why we're here, um, why God wanted to create things in the first place. Um, but um, it just, it gives me purpose to pursue something that was distinct for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a calling in a place where God called me to come and say, Rick, for you, I'd like you to go here. Um, doesn't mean everybody has to do it, but I do believe that, I believe there's something that is vastly uncovered when we explore the conversation around race in America. And what are you, how does it impact your daily work? How do you approach your vocation differently? Okay, so um, when I first started this work, I started to just write. I kind of am a writer. Um, this is weird. I feel like I should do this, but, you know, I'm kind of a writer, um, and I've, I just started to write. I started to create content. I started to do things, and I'm like, God, why in the world are you doing this? Um, but it's I'm sitting up here, right? You know, so it's like, what is that? What are these pursuits that we keep our hands off of? 
you know, we tend, I, I tend, excuse me, I tend to um, want to know the outcome versus, okay, God, I'm Rick today. What do you want me to do? Some of the work I do now leans into internal culture, um, organizational culture, and it's just given me a different lens to look at an organizational culture. For example, yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and it was around, is racism a thing? All this stuff that was going on, and she had shared, I work in a multicultural environment, and because there's people of different ethnicities and all these different things within it. At work? Where they work professionally. And she said, it's a multicultural environment. I said, have you asked people of other cultures if they believe it's a multicultural environment? Because they may see it as a monocultural environment. Right. When they, the, the, the observation of it is that it's diverse. And so explain a little bit about what you do. So put that in context. When you're looking at um, work cultures okay. and whether it's multicultural versus monocultural, put that into a context for us. What's so, the work you do with companies? So there's a piece of, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like many words are, they're, um, they can be triggering, um, but you could say it leans into diversity and inclusion within organizations, but there's a brand of that word that is um, probably wrong, um, but it's really like, what does it mean to have an inclusive environment? You know, um, we can, when we look for the goal, right, and if that, and when I envision what that goal looks like of colorful places and spaces, right, um, that is a result of being inclus inclusive. Is loving my neighbor a result of me being Rick? You know, versus saying I need to go and love my neighbor. So to me, uh, just a lot of what I've learned is just some of this stuff is an outcome of who we are, who Christ has called us to be, created us uniquely to be. So. Yeah, so some of the faith claims that we have on a Sunday morning. We talk about faith claims, love your neighbor, um, do unto others as you would have them do to you, right? Uh, that's, I feel like that's some of those tenets, those faith claims that you're talking about. One of the things that we talk about on Sunday, actually turning into asking very pointed questions to a work environment to make sure that's being played out. You know, I think there's definitely, I think that's a result. I think asking pointed questions of whether they're, you know, leadership in an organization or people within the organization is a result yeah. of who I am. I think we can take church things and make them rote and not unpack the depth within them. Um, there was uh, Pastor Sebastian Holly of Unity Worship in Cartersville shared the story about the four soils, right? So we've got the hard soil, we've got the rocky soil, we've got the weedy soil, we've got this good soil, right? And I'd always seen the good soil as the place where the word of God actually can plant and grow, you know, and that's the good soil. So as a Christian, I'm supposed to be good soil. What I'm learning and what Holly had shared was that um, the requirement for soil to be good, and it often requires pain and tilling and additives and everything that then allows me to get to a place where I can, where growth happens. 
So it's a, a lot of this journey has been the, the toiling up of the Your soil. Your additive. Yeah, yeah. And action should just be a result of who I am versus active as I need to go be an active Christian. That's a great image for us to think about the soil and what is it that we have to be to be the soil and one of the additives. You know, it's almost coming on Sunday mornings and the additive would be just renewal, maybe confession, maybe repentance, turning back toward another way. So those different ingredients to make us that rich for equality, possibly. Or what's in the soil that I need to remove. That you need to take out. That's yeah. right. Something, a bias. Yep. Have there been any times when your bias has kind of gotten in the way? So I've been exploring racial reconciliation for um, a while. And um, there was a co-working space downtown that I used to go to for a while. And um, I was there for a little three-month um, kind of startup accelerator. And they had this little coffee shop at the bottom of this place. And I'd go there, I'd get a cup of coffee, and then I would go up to um, where I was working for the day. And there was this white male owner of the coffee shop, and he had this Hispanic woman working for him. And I would walk in every day, and there would be this little um, couch area where there would be three little children sleeping every morning. And I would walk in there, and I'd get my cup of coffee, and I'd exchange pleasantries and go about my day. And I thought, how great that this guy is helping this woman out. You know, she clearly is maybe down on her luck. They need a place to say she's helping them out. And great. And I'd gone about my day for weeks until I was talking with somebody who knew the couple. And um, I said, how great is it that she's, you know, that he's helping her out? And they just laughed at me and said, that's his wife. Yeah. And those are his kids. And they homeschool. And every day they get to work so early that the kids are just plumb tired. So they rack out on the couch. But I had constructed this whole narrative in my mind of helping this poor Hispanic woman. Right. And it was his wife. So there's so much, I think, within the soil, right? You know, that, that, that we need to get in there and uncover and discover. You right. know? And I think that um, when you look at Good Friday... Um, and I think when we look at what Jesus did of coming into sin, right, into our world, into this darkness, the requirement to try to make the soil, to try to, you know, bring in the Gentiles or whatever that work that he did was, um, requires us to go into those places too and learn and discover difference. I think we live in this space of Good Friday, and we want to live Easter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting. I think we all create these narratives of people when we see them. Yeah. You know, we can't help it because it's not like us. And so if you're not like us, then we're going to recreate this whole story for you. Yeah. <laughs> Bias or not. So um, in Chapel Roswell, here we are. We're all reconciled. When, If you could paint a picture of Chapel Roswell and what we could do, you know, what would you want to see uh, in a church as where I'm going? What is it that is meaningful for you that a church has done or that could do that you would want to be a part of uh, that hands-on work? Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, my 
we had a former pastor that used to say, if you find the, the perfect church, you'll screw it up. Um, but, um, you know, I think what I would hope it looks like is, is, is it's beautiful. I think it's, it's, it's the church of revelation of nations and tribes and tongues. It's the church of Acts that helped and served one another. It's the church of Rick that is Rick in the church. You know, mm-hmm. we all were created with this purpose you know, uniquely individually. We count the numbers of hairs on our heads. All those things we learn, but what does that even mean for me today? Right. You know, in this massively grand, beautiful, developing narrative of the kingdom of God. And one of the things we all strive to do is on earth as it is in heaven. So it's bringing those questions, those really hard conversations. It's not always agreeing. It's um, figuring it out. Um, how we mess it up, yeah. in other words. Yeah. Um, how can we mess it up together and then try again? And I've experienced messing up a lot in relationships and conversations with my black and indigenous people of color friends, right? All these different terms and, that we use, but the relationship piece has allowed me to be course-corrected and clumsy and make stupid comments and have people go, Rick, that was really dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a beautiful story about um, one of your friends of color who just challenged you. Just doesn't matter what you vote. Yep. You can tell that story. So um, a dear friend of mine, neighbor for 15 years, 10 years my senior, black man. I'm from Darien, Connecticut, affluent Connecticutville. He was from Jersey City, son of a black Pentecostal Baptist bishop left home at 13 to pursue a jazz career, just completely different. But we, were, we became fast friends and dear friends. Um, and he asked me one time, this was the Obama-Romney election, and he said, if you don't vote for Barack Obama, I'm gonna question our friendship. And I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I love this man. Um, how could he put that presidential elected decision on me? So I went home and I was doing my research and I was looking at who was voting for what, what were their positions and all these things. And I said, to, I came back a few days later, I'm like, Steve, this is what I've been doing. This is what I, I did. And I, I, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. And he said, I don't care who you vote for. I just wanted you to do the work. And he was that guy that always pushed. And I, and and caused me to critically think about a lot of who I am, a lot of what church had taught me. Um, Because, you know, there's a lot of different beautiful expressions of it. Yeah. And I know that there's a scripture that's important. Well, let me just say, I, I love that too, that it doesn't matter. You know, for me, it's the work. It's going in and learning and studying the work and how that impacts faith and how that impacts culture and politics. It's, it's all wrapped up. So I appreciate that you did the work. Um, what scripture is it that you love or that you kind of go to? Um, whatever one was we, on my phone that we were going to put on this I think screen. we have it. Um, it's Philippians. Yes. Yeah, so read it? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. You know, it's something that came up 
um, recently, and I was just pushing it around, you know. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot in there. You know, we were talking earlier. It's like, what was going on at the Church of Philippi that Paul thought he needed to tell them that, right? You know, I mean, and, and I think when we look at uncovering things or the work or the exploration, there's the educational academic study, which is important. There's also the relational experience and time, you know, that has to be involved because yeah. we've got so many things that we have, you know, qualified as what it means to be a Christian. And there are Christians that don't go to church with me, um, that have that different good. perspectives, yeah. that are good. That are good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that strikes me in the reading of this, too, is that Paul was in prison when these words were written. And so he was not in a place of control. He was in a place of someone else being in control. He was in a place that was powerless. Um, other people told him what to do, when to eat, where to go, and pretty much um, had all control over his lives. And so it's interesting that he would write to a church um, and say, whatever you do, you will have control and authority and don't hold it over anyone else. Um, regard everyone um, do not regard anyone better than yourselves. And so it's that whole issue of who's in control and the authority that we have by nature of skin color or affluency, ethnicity, whatever it might be, um, just to be conscious and cognizant of that. That's what kind of stands out, that power and control piece of that. Um, What's interesting is you mentioned Paul wrote this from prison out of, in a place of oppression, a place control. Of oppression. Scripture was written by people who are oppressed and didn't have control. And they anticipated this Messiah, right, coming with a sword and to overthrow the existing government. And the Messiah came and said, no, we're going to turn that upside down. He said, this is what it looks like. So I think just for me to even understand that who wrote these words down were dark-skinned people in places of powerlessness and slavery and those things. So it's just, we, we read this Bible, and I interpret it through my cultural lens. We're seeing a lot of generational shift going on now. There's so many different cultures in this room, you know? Yeah. So it's just the consideration of all that, because I think God considered it. We always get to the good stuff at the end. Always. That always happens. Um, and whenever we know that the Messiah came and turned everything upside down because ultimately the weapon was love and it was equality and eternal life for all people who ask. And so there's an unconditional, unmerited uh, mm -hmm. grace that comes with Christ. And so that's what we want you to remember um, as we close our conversation today. Uh, we leave you to be reconciled uh, with hard conversations. <laughs> uh, if you want to hear more from Rick, I invite you to find him after you greet our baptism and membership family. Come find Rick, and you can continue the conversation. This is something that Rick loves to talk about. He's very passionate about it, and I invite you to learn more about it. Uh, if you want to learn about other B-series, we have lots of other B-series that are on our internet, so um, our website. So be sure you check out Be Giving, 
uh, be called. We uh, have so many, be diverse. We have so many different ones on there. So we invite you to learn more about the different people in the Chapel Roswell community. And we've got more to come. But now let's have a word of prayer together. Gracious and holy Lord, we do thank you for being among us. And we thank you for seeing us equally. For we know that all of us have stumbled and all of us have things that we could do better. And if there are times, Lord, where we were, um, we spoke too harshly or we spoke out of turn or we caused more hurt and harm than we knew, we apologize. Forgive us and help us to turn back toward you and your words of grace and your words of forgiveness and your words of love, no matter how hard that might be. Lord, put in front of us the people we need to see and the situations that we need to learn from so that we can understand what it is like to see people through your eyes. Show us the light of all people inside so that we can honor that and we can grow it together. Help us be whatever additive you need in soil so that we can be a people of change and a people of growth. And Lord, this day we know that there are people who are hurting for many reasons. Be with them all and send them friends. And we know that people are celebrating and we want you to be a part of those celebrations too and bring them friends. Well, Lord, take all that we have and make it better and connect the Holy Spirit that lives in us to each person we meet. Amen.